Hi, and welcome to Under an Open Heaven Podcast. We are glad you are joining us as we explore the reality of God's love expressed in Scripture and our own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us today as we explore the reality that we live under an open heaven. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Colton Jones, and I have with me... Arthur Richardson, how you doing? Yeah, we are actually on a Skype call right now, just in case you were wondering why the audio may not be quite the same. Uh, it's been quite the week right now. We are recording on Holy Thursday. As you might be aware, uh, listener, we re- release on Friday, so... Uh, so not much time to edit. <laughs> yes. So this is sort of a sort of an impromptu one we got here. Uh, we are Skyping as opposed to being in person because I presently live about an hour away from Arthur and uh, just got out of work. So a little bit flying by the seat of our pants, but that's how we roll. That's how we roll. It's all good. I mean, definitely not ideal. Definitely. I definitely feel like we uh, have more magic in person, but I'm pretty sure our first podcast was uh, Skype as well. I think so. I think so. Alrighty, man. So, like you said, today's uh, Holy Thursday. Tomorrow's Good Friday. Um, I've been doing some thinking on on Good Friday and why we call it Good Friday. How does that even work? How do we understand just all of that? So I, I just been doing some pondering, even just on the name. And I don't know. It's just in light of just in light of all the suffering that Jesus went through for my sake. And then resurrection that he did and revealed to us for my sake. You know, I've just been kind of thinking about that. And then the tension between the good and the suffering, the tension even between um, having sorrow for my sin, but joy in the resurrection. You know, uh, just just living in that tension, understanding that better. Um, the other day I was uh, at church and some of the people that were praying together had prayed for sorrow for their sins. And I just found that interesting because I, on the way there had listened to a, a talk where the whole point of it was having maturity in the spiritual life is having joy. So I was just kind of like really pondering, really pondering the tension between those two things the past couple of days. Right off the bat, Colin, do you have any thoughts? Sorrow for sins, that's something that I believe you grow to want. Uh, as you maybe mature spiritually, because a lot of times we can get used to not focusing on our sins, maybe because we're afraid of facing them. One, but getting over that even has its own hurdles, because then there's you don't want to focus on your sin because you're afraid then that you will fall into shame and shame as we know is the application of your sins to your identity rather than mm-hmm. as as opposed to guilt which is the recognition that it was your fault but guilt also has a subtext or a, has an implication of hope mm-hmm. to it and so but eventually, when you know that, maybe more deeply, that you are in fact a broken person and that God loves you, uh, 
as you are a broken person, then facing your sins isn't so much a daunting task, but something that needs to be undertaken in order for you to really root them out. Mm -hmm. And so praying for sorrow for sins is something that I feel, um, because I've been thinking about this on the same lines uh, lately, that sorrow isn't depression. It isn't um, anger at yourself or anger in general or just general sadness. Sorrow is something I think pretty particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's recognizing the lack of good, explicitly recognizing the lack of good uh, consciously. You might feel it emotionally, but having the just understanding that there's a fact of there's a good that should be here that is not here and more or less looking at the hole that it left. And uh, there's something spiritually significant to sorrow that I'm thinking now is pretty underestimated. Um you know, with a rosary, we have these sorrowful mysteries mm-hmm. um, because, you know, not because we love our good old Catholic guilt and <laughs> all that stuff, but no, because um, there are significant points in Christ's life where sorrow was present and unavoidable. And it is very important to focus on those because being Christian is not happy-go-lucky 100% of the time and understanding that in those times where it is very much so dark and painful that instead of falling into despair, a more appropriate approach is sorrow, recognizing, yes, good should be present here, but it is not. And there's a mystery to that in and of itself. Uh about as to why there's a lack of good. So mm-hmm. I think that's ultimately that the journey from sorrow to joy is asking God, why is there a lack of good right now? And letting him answer and, and avoiding, and I have had trouble with this in the past, avoiding that temptation to be cynical mm-hmm. um, and thinking of all the, you know, relatively satisfactory answers like um all things happen for a reason that's one of the most annoying things to hear yeah i heard her uh it's not really well it's a new term for me for that type of language is toxic positivity yeah yeah Yeah. and that is what it is um because it doesn't allow you to go through the process of sorrow Mm -hmm. so yeah really grappling with privation you know the lack of good is very important in the spiritual life because once you get through it it's you become more solid i think in faith Mm -hmm. yeah so that those are kind of my thoughts right now on on that yeah i like them i like i like that a lot i've got a lot of thoughts as well i'm going to try to formulate them as best i can um Mm -hmm. the first point that i i feel like I want to process out is essentially the importance of feeling your feelings, the important, like as it might seem kind of weird, but 
but the importance of like actually giving your space the time and the quiet to acknowledge the fact and name what I'm experiencing, right? So if we look at Jesus's passion, he acknowledges his pain, but in the same breath says to the Father, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. You know, he's always pointing back to the Father in that regard. Yeah, so I, I think there's there's a goodness in being able to name and experience what I'm experiencing in maturity, right? That that's I would say kind of my first my first overall thought. The second one that I have is is having wisdom. And I think this partly comes through experiencing the ups and downs of life, but also wisdom in in having God's vision for what to anticipate how God has in store. There was something within Jesus that as he was led away like a lamb to slaughter, is kind of implied that he had a, a certain sense of peace throughout the whole suffering, throughout the whole ordeal. In fact, we call it the passion of Jesus. And if we think about it, the passion, passion is something that's like usually fiery. It's like filled with animation and excitement or fury. You know, it could it could also be fury and wrath, but like usually it's very like emotion forward. Mm-hmm. And yet how he shows himself and displays himself is that of controlled meekness, always pointing towards the other. In fact, when he meets the women along the way, he says, weep not for me, but for yourselves. There will be a time when you cry to the hills, cover us. Because if they're doing this while the wood is green, what are they going to do when I'm like later? So I don't know, just like thinking about it all in the light of, of that. There's a certain sense that Jesus had a knowledge or at least anticipated the father resurrecting him. Yeah, that that's the kind of the biggest thing is that I, I feel like having, and we've talked about this before, having, giving yourself the freedom to sin doesn't mean that you're like okay with sinning. It just means that there's a maturity in how you respond after you've fallen. Right. I think the same is the case here with like sorrow for sin and joy in the in the Christian life. Where within the same person it is possible I guess it's possible because the Lord can grow our hearts and stretch our hearts to and, and our minds to experience more more life. He can help us like heal us from our, our apathy, which I think we we do, we we numb ourselves. Within the same person we can have um that experience of sorrow for what we have done. And and it doesn't even necessarily mean regret. It just means that we are opening ourselves up to God's mercy. And that same thing opens up a new level of joy. So it becomes this interesting cycle of mercy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Th- those are my thoughts. I think it kind of also points to Jesus's work in our lives with with our emotions as well. In that talk that I was listening to, um, I heard 
I heard it said that uh, emotions, the emotional experience shouldn't be just like brushed aside or looked at in suspicion, but it's a canvas in which the Lord can heal us and then create and communicate through. Uh Yeah. I found that very interesting. I think it was well said in such a way that depicts first and foremost the healing that God can do in our hearts. Our passion is no longer irrational, but like Jesus's, you know. Our emotions are no longer whimsical like the wind blowing everywhere in, in crazy directions, but solid and consistent, you know. Um, and that's a journey, and that's something that I think the Lord is continuously working on, at least in me. Um, yeah. Colin, do you have any thoughts or ideas in in that regard yeah it reminds me of the psychological concept of shadow work uh it was kind of brought on my radar because i I, every once in a while i listen to jordan peterson and just he, he talks to in interviews a lot of really interesting people um with different approaches to life and he had talked to someone who really died just they they had dove right into uh the dark side of people's psychology mm. and you know he he wrote books about um power more or less like like people seeking after power and stuff like that but during their podcast they discussed the importance of integrating what they refer to as the shadow side of the the psyche and for us for as a christian analogy you might say your fallen nature Mm -hmm. uh and the way that integration looks it isn't like you incorporated into your actions per se that you let it have sort of reign over you but you face it you recognize it you know uh you know say you have like an anger issue and you have you know thoughts of violent impulses and things like that the thing to do isn't necessarily to repress it the thing certainly to do isn't to act on those thoughts because you know that could cause a lot of trouble for you and a lot of people uh that you would affect but to face it you know Mm -hmm. head on really really recognize the thing that you're terrified of admitting and even to yourself or maybe to a therapist, if that's um, a particular person's uh, situation, but to say it audibly, to make sure that you externalize the thing that you're really afraid of about yourself in your mind and things like that. Because um, I think ultimately what causes us to be in grief over our sins is our helplessness our feeling of we we cannot change ourselves because maybe maybe the 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 darker desires that fuel those sins are things that we are just terribly afraid of and when they manifest in our lives hurt us and hurt others we're we quickly fall into shame because we say like this is this is a part of myself that i cannot control and to some degree yeah kind of it's not necessarily something um that you've been able to 
to control and it's i think more something to be recognized understood as a facet of your present condition but viewing it through the lens of once i understand this you know from a christian perspective fallen nature i can understand how god is working in me to give me that resurrected nature mm -hmm. uh because so long as we leave the things in the darkness ephesians 5 talks about this so long as we leave things in the darkness they're just going to stay in darkness the goal is to bring things into the light and that's why often confessions used to be public public in front of other people you bring to light the things that you struggle with in the community um and i'm sure a big important part of it was well now you're accountable and the people around you are accountable to you because say they don't have good intentions and they might intend to use your sins against you mm -hmm. you can call them out on that said i was forgiven of those so it's like this this mutual sense of understanding recognizing that dark internal uh struggle with sin and our fallen nature mm -hmm. so uh sorrow for sins in this context is so important um because once again it's consciously recognizing uh not only the the sin that happened but taking it a step further understanding the root of those sins and uh subjecting those roots to light you know yes. to the light of christ so yeah I'd say those are my thoughts. Yeah, man. Yeah, I dig that. You know, as you were talking about that, it kind of brought up, brought to mind Abraham. Abraham, in in his stories, well, Abraham in the stories in Genesis, he honestly was not that great of a husband and doubted. He doubted um, God that he would provide a child, and which honestly is kind of understandable. He, God was having him wait for like 10 years before he provided one, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is, is he took, he took producing a child into his own hands um, and, and caused his family strife with Ishmael. Yeah. Yet... He's still considered the father of faith. That's his title. There, it's interesting. I feel like that there's a mystery there that almost unlocks this tension. That when we are when we allow the sorrow for our sins to come forward, the mercy of God changes us, and there there can joy flourish. So, I guess I want to end this podcast today just talking about uh talking about the reality that since jesus left the tomb behind so can we he emerged from the sorrow and emerged from all of this glorified and in a very interesting way that you might not expect a new a new man so i just want to encourage us that uh this weekend as we look at easter as we look at our lives that we allow jesus to roll away the stone in our hearts to give ourselves the freedom to feel that sorrow, but then to walk out, to walk out of that cave 
and walk into the light of his resurrection, walk into the light of the Father. Colton, you want to end with prayer? Yeah, I can end with prayer. All right. Yeah. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord God, this Good Friday, help us to bear witness to your glory in a sorrowful way, not in a sad or despairing kind of way, but with sorrow recognizing the absolute gravity with which you made your decision to love us. Help us to enter into that silent place that you did, to that tomb, to the dark places in our own lives too. As you descended to the dead, help us to seek into our own selves, our own lives, recognizing where the things that bring death to us exist, Lord. And in this Good Friday, let us live out your resurrection in us as you rise in us. Because on Easter Sunday, when we receive you in the Eucharist, we're going to be receiving you, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in your resurrected form. And that, Lord, is hope to us. God, we trust you with what you're doing. And we ask for more trust in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a happy, happy holy weekend. Take care and God bless. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that this podcast blessed you. And we ask if it did, share that with the people that you love so that it can bless them as well. If you want to reach out to us, we are available on Facebook. We are under an open heaven. Our email address is under an open heaven.fire at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at under an open heaven.fire. So Please go uh, give those a gander and send us any th- any feedback that you want. We would be happy to reply to you. God bless. Bye.